0: Okay, guys, welcome to another Jesus Rant. This is season three, episode eight, diet part six. And as we continue our series here on your diet, which hopefully we're beginning to see by now is important because you are what you eat, or, you know, in the case of of the one we did about the wine, and in, in the case of the one we're doing tonight, what you drink really, you know, what you consume. And that goes physically but so much more spiritually. Like you've probably heard the idea of garbage in, garbage out, which means if you're consuming a lot of garbage content, that's also what you're going to be producing, Um, which is to say that we live from the inside out, whatever's inside of us comes out of us. And there is a dimension of filling yourself up so that you have the right thing inside of you. And really, I think that's kind of going to be my focus for next week for the conclusion of this rant series. But for today, I really want to talk about the living water and like I've been trying to do, well, really for the three years that I've been doing these rants and you know, uh, I officially started my ministry on October 10th, 2010, which luckily for me is very easy to remember because it's 10, 10, 10. So really, it's been about 13 years that I feel like I've kind of been banging the same bell over and over again about just who we are, which is who we are in Christ, which is who Christ is in us, where we are, which is seated at the right hand of the Father in the the position of power in heaven, and why we're here, which is to experience this gift that we've been given by giving it away, by sharing it. And, you know, that's why I wrote the Answer Trilogy. That's why I wrote the first kind of Jesus books that I wrote. But that's also why I continue to try to look at this at all these different angles and all these different pictures of just who Jesus is. Because life is so messy. And like, it's a very individual experience because at the end of the day, you have to go through the things that you have to go through. But it's also a very universal experience because we all go through the same things. So if I can go through something and learn and grow from it, and then be able to help you when you're going through that same thing, I think that's what life's all about. I think that's kind of the whole point of the whole thing. And You know, of course, to me, that's one of the best ways to display love by giving what you have, laying your life down for your friends. So when I say it's all about learning and growing and helping others, it's all about love. That's, that's what love is. And that's who Jesus is. And that's what every picture that I've shown you, especially in this uh, rant series is all about. And that's why I wanna start with Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 13. And I have a couple of memory verses I wanna read and then one short passage. And then I wanna read most of a chapter in the book of John to end. So I'm gonna try to move through some of this quickly, you know, like I kind of always do anyway. I do the guerrilla gospel style, kind of a hit and run, give you something to chew on, but not to choke on. Just, you know, we'll get in, we'll get out. We'll hopefully make our point along the way. So I really want to just kind of jump right into this. And Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 13 says, "O Lord, the hope of Israel, all who turn away from you will be disgraced. They will be buried in the dust of the earth, for they have abandoned the Lord, the fountain of living water. And while that, verse kind of on the surface has almost a negative connotation, or at the very least a warning, I really wanted to just hammer the home the the fact, the truth, that Jesus, the Lord, is the fountain of living water, as always, like, that's what we're talking about. And I think I've tried to do that in most of these uh, rants in this series is be like, look, this is exactly what we're talking about. Like, John said, behold, the lamb of God, like Jesus is the lamb. Like I'm I'm trying to make this as clear as I can make it. Jesus is the fountain of living water. But then in Song of Solomon, chapter four, verse 15, and I'm going to read it in the King James Version, we see that you are a fountain of gardens, a well of living waters and streams from Lebanon, which to me is not hard to reconcile because when Jesus came, He said, I am the light of the world. And He also said, you are the light of the world. It's the same light. And it's it's not just the light that we have. It's the light that we are. Right? So the same fountain of living waters that Jesus is, we are that same well of living waters. We are that same fountain of gardens. We are that same. It's, and, and we're going to see, uh, in, in, uh, uh, slow down. When we read our second to last passage, we're going to see really what that fountain is and what we're talking about. And it's really kind of cool, but we'll get there in a minute. Right now, I just want to really focus on hitting home the fact that when we're talking about our diet, we talked about, you know, we did the bread and the wine, and we did communion, and we did the lamb, and now we're doing the living water. So it's all Jesus but also it's all us because Jesus lives in us. Who we are, who we really are is who we are in Christ, which is who Christ is in us. Jesus is our true identity. God in the flesh, love in a body. God in our flesh, love in our body. That's the, uh, you know, and I talk about this kind of a lot too, I feel like, that's when Jesus was saying, you know, I'm in you and I'm in the Father and you're in me and, we're all together like it's there's no separation between god and man because god lives in man so when we're talking about these spiritual things it's when we're talking about our diet and we're talking about what we're eating and what we're drinking it's not to get something that you don't have it's to fill yourself with what you do have to fill yourself to overflowing with what you have and who you are so that what's inside of you can come out of you right? That's the whole point of the whole thing is to receive and release the love of God. He's already filled us up. And then we fill ourselves up to overflowing with what he has already filled us up with by knowing and believing that he's already filled us up with it. That's what the good fight of faith is. It's laying hold of the gift that we've been given. So we don't have to get something we don't have. We're not starving. Like we are the fountain of living water because he is the fountain of living water. So to really hopefully hammer that home, I want to read Revelation chapter 22 verse 17. And I know I say this a lot and I know I say, I say that a lot, but this is one of my favorite verses. This verse is always this verse has always stuck with me like my whole life. Even when when like kind of like the churches I grew up in, sometimes they were like afraid of the book of Revelation because they didn't understand it. And I almost, like, I think that's wise. Like, if you don't understand something, don't pretend like you do. And certainly don't try to push it on other people when you don't know what it means. Like, if if you feel need the need to leave something alone, leave it alone. But when I was doing my read through the Bible once in a year, every year with my grandma, of course, I read the book of Revelation. And I read it over and over every year. And then we would talk about it. And this is one of the verses from Revelation that always stuck with me. And I always thought, this is, what, this, is, this, been, this is why, to me, the Bible is not scary. Revelation is not scary. Because there's things like this in Revelation 22, 17. The spirit and the bride say, come. Let anyone who hears this say, come. Let anyone who is thirsty, come. Let anyone who desires drink freely from the water of life. And I've even heard this kind of preached in a, in a a scary way. And I'm like, don't do that because if the, the spirit and the bride do not say come or else, it's not turn or burn. It's not get right or get left. It's not a way to scare people into doing what you want them to do. It's an invitation. It's like the spirit and the bride are ringing the dinner bell saying, come and get it. Anyone who's thirsty, come. It's not saying, come get this or else. It's saying, if, if you want it, it's here. It's available. We have it for you. You don't have to look anywhere else. You can go straight to the source. And you can let let anyone who desires drink freely from the water of life. Like, it's here for us. And all we have to do is thirst for it. And all we have to do is drink freely of it. Like, there's no hoops to jump through. If you're thirsty, drink the water. And then it will quench your thirst. And then you will have what you need to experience this life the way that you're supposed to experience it. And the reason that I say it that way is because of John chapter seven, and i want to read verses 37 through 39. And the heading in the Bible of this little passage says, Jesus promises living water. And it reads, on the last day, the climax of the festival, Jesus stood and shouted to the crowds. Anyone who is thirsty may come to me Anyone who believes in me may come and drink, for the scriptures declare rivers of living water will flow from his heart. When he said living water, he was speaking of the Spirit, who would be given to everyone believing in him. But the Spirit had not yet been given, because Jesus had not yet entered into his glory. Man, there's a lot here, and it's all so good. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink. It's that simple. Anyone who is thirsty, come to Jesus. Anyone who believes in Jesus gets you some living water. And it says for the scriptures declare rivers of living water will flow from his heart. That's where our living water flows from. That's where life flows from. It flows from the heart. It's the deep calling out to the deep. It's the light in me connecting to the light in you. It's my heart connected with your heart because really it's God's heart, his heart beating in my chest, his heart beating in your chest. That's how we connect. That's how relationships are built. It's with love. It's from the rivers of living water flowing out of our hearts. And there's another translation. I think it's the King James that says that the the rivers of living water will flow from your innermost being. Because this is who we really are. And again, when he said living water, he was speaking of the spirit. So the living water is literally Christ in us. He is the fountain. We are the fountain. We are the fountain because He is the fountain in us. It's His Spirit living in us. And I really like it. <laughs> Just, you know, kind of uh, pedantically or kind of uh, linguistically, it says, When He said living water, He was speaking of the Spirit. Who would be given to everyone believing in Him? It, it The Bible identifies the Spirit as a, as a who and not as something. Like it's, it's Jesus. That's what this is, right? We are, uh, I've heard it said, and I have some probably kind of complicated thoughts about the soul that I'm not going to get into right now, but I've heard it said, we are a spirit. We have a soul and we live in a body. Which, you know, I can, I can get with that. We are definitely not our body. Like our body is like the vessel that carries the, the important thing. And the important thing is the spirit. And the Spirit is Jesus. That's who we are. That's our true identity. God in the flesh, love in a body. God in our flesh, love in our body. It's His Spirit living in us that quickens us and gives us life. And then that river of living water flows out of our hearts. It flows out of our innermost being. It flows out of the abundance of our hearts as we fill ourselves to overflowing with it, simply by knowing and believing that it's in there. That he has given it to us. And again, it's free. It's free for anybody who wants it. Anyone who is thirsty may come to Jesus. Anyone who believes in Jesus may come and drink. That's it. That's It's, it's that simple. And that's how simple everything is, spiritually speaking. It's all about Jesus. Believing in him. And the best part about that is, and I think I'm going to do another, I'm sure I've done it before, if not a rant. I know I've preached on this before, back when I preached at a, a you know traditional church faith my faith only needs to be able to get me to jesus and then his faith makes everything possible because he is the one with perfect faith he is the author and finisher of our faith he is the one we believe in him and that's all we need to do and then he steps in and takes care of everything else so all we have to do is you know hitch our wagon to the right horse and then we're gonna win the race like it's that simple believe come to him believe in him and drink whoever is thirsty. Whoever hears this, and and I like this in Revelation 22, where it says, let anyone who hears this say, come. We hear the message and then we repeat the message. We're witnesses. Witnesses can only tell you what they hear or what they see or what they experience. And we are witnesses for Christ. We don't have to make up good things about him. We just have to tell people what we've been through and what we've experienced and how he's been there for us and how he's helped us. That's all we're ever required to do. Love one another as God loves us. That's the new commandment for the new man. So before I run out of too much time, I want to read John chapter 4, and I'm going to start at verse 1, and I'm just going to read down. Hopefully, we're going to get through verse 34, and I think this is an important chapter. You know, you guys know I love John's writings and, and the book of John and his letters and everything, but this this is, to me, this is this is good stuff. So John chapter 4, starting with verse 1, and the heading is Jesus and the Samaritan woman. It reads, Jesus knew the Pharisees had heard that he was baptizing and making more disciples than John, though Jesus himself didn't baptize them, his disciples did. So he left Judea and returned to Galilee. And I was going to talk about baptism when we were talking about the living water, but it's too much to even get into. So we're going to have to do that at another time. But don't think that there's not a connection between the living water and water baptism. But we'll, we'll get there down the road. Verse 4. He had to go through Samaria on the way. Eventually, he came to the Samaritan village of Sychar, near the field that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. Get it? The well? The well of living water? It's all connected. It's all type and shadow in the Old covenant in the Old Testament, and it's revealed in fullness and glory in the New Testament and the New Covenant. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. There's an important thing to to stick in your brain pan here. And it says, Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well. He's tired. He's hungry. He sent his disciples to go get food. He's chilling like a villain on the well. And here comes the Samaritan woman. Verse nine. The woman was surprised for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Jesus replied. If, only, if you only knew the gift, of, the gift God has for you, and who you are speaking to, you would ask me, and I would give you living water. But sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket, she said, and this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? And besides, do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob, who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoy? Jesus replied, Anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again, but those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh, bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Wow! We don't have to… there's a there's a there's a verse in the Bible where I believe it's Paul is writing and he talks about he, it says something along the lines of I die daily. And a lot of quote unquote religious folk have taken that verse to mean you've got to kill yourself every day. You've got to die to the flesh. You've got to die to your wants. You've got to you can't have anything good. You can't have anything nice. Sell all your belongings. Give them to the poor. We have to live a life of poverty so that we can really show that we love Jesus. Which if you know anything about my ministry. I don't believe that at all. I don't think God has a problem with you having stuff. I think God has a problem if your stuff has you, right? If there's something that you have that you can't get rid of, maybe that's kind of become an idol to you. But, but that's not for me to say That's between you and God, I'm not even worried about it. God made a lot of people rich in the Bible, including Jacob, including Abraham, including pretty much everybody that he selected. Like that he wants us to live a good life. Jesus turned water into wine so the party wouldn't stop, right? So this idea that we're not supposed to have anything, this idea that we're supposed to die daily, that's not what Paul was talking about. He was talking about how people were literally trying to kill him every day because he was preaching the gospel of Jesus. So we don't, it's not about that. It's not about drinking the water and then emptying yourself out and becoming thirsty again and, and drinking some more water and emptying yourself out. And becoming That's not it. That's not what God wants for us. He wants us to never be thirsty. He wants us to live a victorious life. He wants us to become a fresh bubbling spring and have eternal life. God doesn't want us to worry about these things. Jesus You know, said in a different part of the Bible, he talked about, like, seek first the kingdom of God and all these other things that you're so worried about will be added unto you. God knows what you need before you even ask him. Look at the flowers. They don't harvest. They don't sow. They don't reap. And look how God takes care of them. How much more will he take care of us? He doesn't want us to go through the motions of suffering and and barely making it every day. He wants something better for us. Jesus said, I've come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. He wants us to have the best quality of life that we can have. He doesn't want us to drink the water from Jacob's well, the old covenant, and be thirsty again. He doesn't want animal sacrifices that had to be made every single year over and over again. He came to be the once-for-all sacrifice to transform us from sinners to saints, to bring us out of the old and into the new. It's like, uh, you know, we talked about you can't put new wine in an old wineskin or it'll burst. You have to put new wine in a new wineskin. You have to get to the place where you understand newness of life. And you're not just trying to do the same old things. It's not a reset, try again button. It's a here's something entirely different button. It's not drink it and be thirsty again and then drink it and be thirsty again. It's become a fresh bubbling spring and have eternal life. And the woman, she thought that sounded like a great idea because In verse 15, she says, it said, the Bible says, please, sir, the woman said, give me this water. Then I'll never be thirsty again, and I won't have to come here to get water. So again, you know, Jesus spoke and people misunderstood him. She she thought he was talking about natural water, and he wasn't. But he said, go and get your husband, Jesus told her. I don't have a husband, the woman replied. Jesus said, you're right, you don't have a husband for you have had five husbands, and you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. And I just want to say real quick, five husbands. She's shacking up with number six, and she's talking to the seventh man, the perfect number, the perfect man, the end of this story, in a sense, where she was clearly looking for love in all the wrong places, couldn't find it, tried again, couldn't find it, drank from the water, got thirsty, drank from the different water, got thirsty, looking for something, can't find it, came to Jesus, well actually came to the well, which is where Jesus was, the well was sitting on a well, the fountain, came came to get some water and got way more than she bargained for because here was number seven, the perfect man. Verse 19, Sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet, So tell me, why is it that you insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship, while we Samaritans claim it is here at Mount Gerizim, where our ancestors worshiped?" Jesus replied, "'Believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know very little about the one you worship, while we Jews know all about him, for salvation comes through the Jews. But the time is coming. Indeed, it's here now when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way, for God is spirit. So those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. Which again, you know, as we saw a a few chapters later in John chapter 7, this living water is the spirit. That's why Jesus said, and indeed it's here now. He was, you know, he's fixing to go. Do his passion, do his work, finish the work, the work of the cross. And then he would ascend to heaven. The Holy Spirit would descend from heaven and take a dwelling or abode in us. And then we would be able to worship God in spirit and in truth because we would have the spirit of truth living inside of us. So then in verse 25, it reads, The woman said, I know the Messiah is coming, the one who is called Christ. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. And that's a very, very powerful phrase, the I am. I'm going to probably do a rant or maybe two about that that phrase because it's really important and really powerful. Knowing who you are is, you know, uh, even, even in a, a, a lot of literature and a lot of like pop culture, if you know someone's name, you have power over them, even all the way back to like Rumpelstiltskin, right? So knowing who you are, knowing your name and really, biblically speaking, your name is your nature, knowing who you are is so powerful. Because if you know who you are, you don't have to try to be someone you're not. You can embrace who you are, and you can be who you are. Verse 27, Just then His disciples came back. They were shocked to find Him talking to a woman, but none of them had the nerve to ask, what do you want with her, or why are you talking to her? The woman left her water jar beside the well, and ran back to the village, telling everyone, "Come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah?" So the people came streaming from the village to see him. And that's interesting because what did Jesus tell the woman? You've been with five. You, you've had five husbands. You're with number six. And to her, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. This, this quest for love, this this thirst for love, this need for love is so powerful in our lives. Even if we can't, you know, really define it or be uh, kind of self-aware enough to, to realize it or admit it. One of my other favorite verses, I know, is that it's something along the lines of it says, either way, Christ's love controls us. And I 100% believe that. Because either you know Christ's love, and you do everything you can to share that love, or you don't know Christ's love, and you do everything you can to try to get that love. I think this woman was said that Jesus told her everything she ever did, because in her opinion, all she ever did was look for love, and she was looking for it in all the wrong places, and she couldn't find it, and she kept getting thirsty again, and going to the well again, or a different well, looking in all the wrong places instead of coming straight to the source which you can't come to the source unless you know the source. Faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of God or the word of Christ or the word about Christ, which is Jesus, which is love. We love because God first loved us. It's not something that you can go and find. It's something that has already found you. You just need to know it and believe it. You need to hear that still small voice inside of you that says, I love you with every beat of God's heart in your chest. So everything she ever did was look for love and she couldn't find it. And then Jesus said, I have the water that you're looking for, the living water. I have the spirit. I have what you need. I have your true identity. And then verse 31, it goes on and says, Meanwhile, the disciples were urging Jesus, Rabbi, eat something. But Jesus replied, I have a kind of food you know nothing about. Remember when this story started? He was tired. He was weary. He was hungry. He sat down on the well. And then all of a sudden, his disciples come back with food, and he's not hungry anymore. So what happened? Well, verse 33 says, Did someone bring him food while we were gone? The disciples asked each other. Then Jesus explained, My nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. When you give what you have, you experience what you have. If you want to feel forgiveness, forgive someone. If you want to feel mercy, be merciful to someone. If you want to feel grace, give it. That's how this life works. And I think that that's how we really, that's how things are real. Like I always bring it back to like, like if you, if you watch your favorite movie, you'll enjoy it because it's your favorite movie. If you watch your favorite movie with someone else, you'll enjoy it more because you're sharing that thing that you love. And that makes it more real and that makes it more powerful. And that's what this life is all about. Because to live is to love and to love is to live. You can't do one without the other and you can't have one without the other. They're not just connected. They're the same thing. So in order to really nourish ourselves, we do that by ministering. We do that by doing the will of God. We do that by receiving and releasing what He has given to us. What's so important about our diet? Eating, of course, but 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 all, but that's only step one. Sharing a meal, right? When we talked about communion and community and getting together and uh, you know sharing our experiences and building each other up and being there for each other and all of those great, wonderful, awesome. Godly, holy things. It comes from we nourish ourselves by ministering to each other. We feed on what we have by giving it to each other. And that's what this water is about because we're not thirsty anymore. We're bubbling. Why would we need to bubble? Why would we need to get the water stirred up if we've already drank it and we're not thirsty anymore? So that it will come out of us, so that we can share it, so that other people can have it. We make it available to others. And then the spirit and the bride working together, say, come. And it's not come or else. It's come and get it. It's look how good this is. I'm not thirsty. I'm taken care of. So now I can help make sure you're not thirsty. I can help take care of you. All right. So that's what I wanted to say this week. And I hope it encourages somebody because it's encouraging to me. Like I'm fired up this week. I feel it. I know I had to keep slowing myself down. But next week, we're going to do a conclusion episode for this rant series and hopefully going kind to of put a bow on it and then we'll move on from there. Thanks, guys. OK, well, if you enjoyed that, I want to invite you to check out my website, JesusRant.com. You can get my daily rants on there. You can uh, get the, my books that I've written on there. They're also on Amazon. I have an author's page on Amazon. Um, I've written a lot of books. I'm pretty proud of them. You can order them. I try to keep them cheap because I don't like to pay a lot of money for books and I don't think people should have to pay a lot of money for mine. So check that out. Um, if you want to support the podcast itself, you can find it on anchor.fm. If you just search for Jesus Rant, um, you can support it monetarily. You can support it by uh, liking it, sharing it, subscribing to it. And you can su- you can support it, excuse me, by word of mouth, by telling people about it, uh, helping other people listen, find it, and listen to it. And uh, thank you once again, as always, for spending your time to listen to it, to uh, to help me to get the word out, which, you know, as we know by now is, is my heart, is just getting this word out, Word Without Walls ministry. Um, so just thank you for your support. I love you, and there's nothing you can do about it. Amen.